0: come to the conclusion of Hebrews. Now, we'll still have another chapter to go after today, but the 13th chapter is, is almost like an appendix to the book. The primary thrust of the book is brought to a climax in the last half of the 12th chapter. And the basic purpose of Hebrews, you'll recall, was to convince the first readers that they could not give up on Jesus and go back to Judaism. When the persecutions began, some decided they would rather live as Jews than die as Christians. And they began defecting from the faith, thinking they could worship the same God either way. Well, the author of Hebrews sought to make it clear that if they turned their back on Jesus, they would lose their access to God, that God's entire plan for saving mankind was centered in Jesus, and that now that the Messiah had come, a new covenant between God and man was in effect, and there was no going back to the old. Now, it was true that the new covenant stressed the grace of God even more than did the old, And love and forgiveness were central to the good news. But that did not mean God would allow a man to pick his path to heaven. There's only one way into fellowship with God, and that is through his Son. To reject that offer is to condemn oneself to the terrifying prospect of falling into the hands of an angry God. That is the message of Hebrews. And that message is summed up in the conclusion to which we come this morning. A conclusion that in essence pictures God as the God of the mountain. The God of Mount Sinai and the God of... Of Mount Zion. And while the covenants made on each mountain were different, we were made to see that the God who made them is the same God. And to reject his offer is to bring condemnation upon yourself. We begin with a look at the God of Mount Sinai. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 21. For you have not come to a mountain that may be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness, and gloom, and whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet, and the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word should be spoken to them. For they could not bear the command, if even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. The scene at Mount Sinai was one to be remembered, and God planned it that way. When the children of Israel first arrived at Sinai, Moses went up on the mountain alone. And there received a message from God to deliver to the people. The message in essence said that if they would obey what God said and abide by His covenant, they would be His people. And He would make of them a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The people immediately answered in the affirmative and declared they would do it. Now, that was obviously the answer God wanted, but he knew the answer came too quickly. They didn't even know all that his covenant entailed. And he was afraid they wouldn't listen when Moses spelled it out. So he made sure they understood the seriousness of listening to what he had to say. He told Moses to prepare the people for a visit from him. And then in three days, he would speak directly to the people from the mountain. He wanted to make certain they knew he actually did speak with Moses. And he wanted to impress upon them the fact that when he speaks, people better listen. In preparation for his visit, he told Moses to rope off the mountain and to warn the people that no one, not even an animal, was to touch it. If anyone or anything strayed onto the mountain, it was to be stoned and left there. To prepare for his visit, the people were to consecrate themselves and wash their garments. And then when they heard the long blast on the ram's horn, they were to gather at the base of the mountain. Let's go back to that account in Exodus 19. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. And then, after again warning Moses not to allow anyone to cross the barriers, God proceeded to give the Ten Commandments, audibly, to all the people. Sometimes we get the impression that they didn't know the Ten Commandments till Moses came back down from the mountain with the tablets. They heard them from God himself. And we read of their response in Exodus 20, verses 18 through 20. And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we'll listen. Let not God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of him may remain with you, so that you may not sin. The people didn't want to hear the voice of God. It was too too frightening. And so they pledged that they would listen to Moses after God talked to him. So God proceeded to spell out to Moses various ordinances and laws that the people were to abide by. And and then Moses shared them. And they all affirmed that all the words the Lord had spoken they would do. And Moses wrote down the words in a book so they could review them often. And then after building an altar according to God's instruction and making the required sacrifices and offerings, Moses read the book of the covenant. To the people. And again they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. We pick up the account in Exodus 24. Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days, and on the seventh day he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. And to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. And Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now, that was quite an experience for the children of Israel. God presented himself to them. In a spectacular demonstration of power, in the hopes that through fear they would obey him. But our author says we have not come to Mount Sinai. And our relationship with God is not like the one the Israelites had. We don't see God as the God of Mount Sinai any longer. We see him as the God of Mount Zion. Reading on. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Now, we no longer approach God amid smoke and fire and darkness and gloom at Mount Sinai. We're no longer warned not to get too close or we'll be killed. Instead, we're invited to come to Mount Zion. We're invited to come into His presence and join Him even now by faith in the heavenly Jerusalem. We're invited to join spiritually with the myriads of angels that surround His throne in worship and praise. We're invited to be numbered with the General Assembly and Church of the Firstborn who are enrolled in heaven And have our name written in the Lamb's book of life. We've been invited to come into the presence of God, the judge of all. And to worship together with the great cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. Those who have died in the faith and have been made perfect by the sacrifice of Christ. And of course the key to this access is Jesus himself the mediator of a new covenant based on spilt blood. Blood not like Abel's that cries out for vengeance, but on blood that makes possible forgiveness. Blood that cleanses us and makes us acceptable to God. That's what enables us to come so boldly into the presence of God today through prayer. And what assures us that someday when we stand before him, we'll be received as his beloved children. There's a world of difference between Sinai and Zion. And we should continually thank God that we live in a day when access to him is so freely given. We must not, however, take for granted that access nor take lightly the price that was paid to make it possible. And we dare not refuse to accept his invitation. For the God of Mount Zion and the God of Mount Sinai is the same God. Verses 25 through 29. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then. But now he is saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. This expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, in order that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. That's the author of Hebrews' final warning. See to it that you do not refuse Him who is speaking. For the God who speaks today is the same God who spoke at Sinai. He's the same God who spoke from the mountains the children of Israel. And you do remember what happened to those of their number who refused to obey him, don't you? Let's go back to the mountain for a moment and look again what he had first told them. And remember that the people are gathered at the foot of the mountain, trembling with fear, as God speaks audibly to them amid fire and smoke and lightning and thunder. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on earth beneath or in water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now you'd think they would never forget those words. But shortly after Moses went back on the mountain to spend 40 days with the Lord, the people cried out for a God they could see. And in direct disobedience to the voice of Almighty God, they fashioned for themselves a God of gold and began worshiping it. God's initial thought, was to destroy them all. But through the entreaty of Moses, the majority were spared. Still, 3,000 were killed because they refused to repent. And our author notes, if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. Now, it's not clear if the one warning from earth refers to Moses or to God. That's why it's a little H instead of a big H. But either way, the point is that the people who didn't obey the word of God, spoken from earth, were destroyed. And it should therefore be obvious that we must take even more seriously the word of God spoken from heaven. And God has spoken from heaven audibly. He not only spoke to those on Mount Sinai, but also to those on the Mount of Transfiguration, where he made it clear that we must not only listen to him, but also to his son. And he spoke from heaven through his spirit to those who authored the Bible. So we can still hear God's word spoken from heaven today. And we dare not refuse to obey what he has spoken. His voice shook the earth at Sinai. But the day is coming when his voice will shake not only the earth, but heaven as well. And on that day, the foundations of most everything will crumble. Those who have built their life on material things will find that their world has fallen apart. And those who have built their life on a counterfeit spiritual base will find they have nothing. Only those who have responded in faith to the revealed Word of God and have solidly built their lives upon it will remain unshaken. Only the kingdom of God, the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven will stand. Let us therefore show gratitude by the lives we live. And let us offer to God acceptable service with reverence and awe. For even though perfect love casts out fear, we must never lose a sense of reverence and awe when it comes to God. Through Christ, we can have a personal, intimate relationship with our Father in Heaven. But let's never get so casual in our relationship with Him that we forget our God is a consuming fire destroying what cannot be purified and purifying what can. And let us never forget what we read in Second Peter chapter 3. That the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, on account of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth. In which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless, and blameless. And indeed, through Christ, we can be found spotless and blameless. And we will. If by faith we accept what God has revealed to us from heaven. What about you this morning? Do you believe what God has said? And are you willing to obey him? Sometimes we we think, well, if God would just speak more clearly, we'd believe him and we'd do it. He couldn't have spoken more clearly than he did on Mount Sinai. People still did what they wanted. God speaks today through his Son, as revealed in his Word. And his Word is clear. His Word is clear. May God give us the faith to read his Word faithfully to allow his spirit to enlighten us as we seek to apply it to our daily life. May we be found spotless and blameless when the God of the mountain reappears for us to see. The Old Testament is very important. May we never discount what it says may we be drawn back to a sense of reverence and awe and then be overwhelmed with gratitude and thanksgiving when we understand that we now have a God of Mount Zion, the promised city of God where we'll reign with him forever and ever. If that doesn't change you, nothing will. be changed.